Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of SVN on the Go. I'm Julian Banuelos, and joining me is my co-host, Cameron Williams. Today, we're interviewing Tyler Davis of Lakeland, Florida. Uh, Tyler is a CFO and advisor at SVN Saunders Ralston Dantzler in Lakeland, Florida. Tyler joined SVN in May of 2019 after a successful corporate accounting career. At SVN, he specializes in strategy, development, and investments. Tyler is a CPA, a native of Carrollton, Georgia, and he currently resides in Lakeland, Florida with his wife, Caroline, and their one-year-old daughter, Mary Caroline. Thanks for joining us today, Tyler. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into the commercial real estate business. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I've listened to a lot of episodes to date, so I'm uh, excited to be here. And um, yeah, so I uh, joined the company, got into commercial real estate in 2019, uh, right before COVID hit, which was an awesome time to, to get into the business um, and to move to a totally new place where you don't know anybody other than your wife's friends. Um, so that was a, a really big transition period. Um, of course, I, I grew up outside Atlanta, originally went to school in Birmingham and Alabama, uh, lived in Birmingham for in total about a decade, um, worked in public accounting there, uh, in tax actually. So I tell people I'm a recovering accountant, um, <laughs> which is, uh, kind of true. Um, met my wife in Birmingham, uh, she is from Lakeland, where we live now. We both went to the same school, Stanford University for undergrad. We didn't know each other at all and then got connected after school. Um, after she graduated, I've been working for a few years through some mutual friends and so got married there. Um, I quickly realized traveling a bunch for work and working 24 seven in public accounting was uh, not as doable once you had a family and a wife and, and reasons to not be at work. Uh, so I kind of decided I was ready to do something different. Um, had a, a client of mine that I worked on all the time that got bought out, had to switch firms. So it basically got to the point where we were going to have to move, um, you know, to a bigger market. I was with Pricewaterhouse then. So we were going to have to move to a New York, Chicago, Boston type market. And my wife is from Florida. All her family's down here. She wanted to be closer to her family. And so. I said, well, I can't get you any closer uh, than if I work for your father-in-law. So uh, I'd married <laughs> Dean Saunders' daughter, Caroline, my wife. And so I said, let's try the family real estate thing, see how it works. If it doesn't work, I can always go back to public accounting or go get a different job. Um, so, yeah, so I've been with the company four years, uh, kind of was primarily hired on to help us uh, from an accounting standpoint. We were growing a lot at that point and still are. And so we kind of needed um, another person to, to oversee all that and help with administrative roles and responsibilities kind of as I learned the business. And um, over the last couple of years, as I've gotten more comfortable in commercial real estate um, and learning the market, I've kind of expanded a little bit with, with some of my day-to-day -day duties and what I'm doing. And I'm sure we'll get into that here in a few minutes. But um, simple answer is I'm, I'm, I'm married the right person to get me into the real estate world. It wasn't something that I envisioned um when i first started out my career i thought i was going to work at a big core firm for a while then get hired on by a client and um kind of kind of stay in accounting or something adjacent to accounting for a long time um so but i'm really glad that this all worked out uh, it, real estate is a uh, uh it's really attractive to me um, now that i'm in it i wouldn't have necessarily thought it was a great fit until i i really started working in it um i love the industry i love the fast paced nature of it. I love the hustle side of it. 
there's a, a direct, typically a direct output based on an input, which I like, you know, the harder you work, the more deals you do, the more success you seem to have. Uh, it's not always the case, but at least I think there's a, a more of a correlation in that than working in a, a corporate job. Um, and so I really like the entrepreneurial side of this business and it's been a really good fit for me. Yeah. And while we would have loved to have you here in Chicago with me, uh, <laughs> sounds like you made the right choice. It's too cold up there. Oftentimes I, I say it's too, too hot down here in Florida, but, um, you know, I guess the heat and, and water is sometimes a little bit better than the snow and, and the wind. It's true. It's, it's either really hot. Cool. It's just, it's just as hot and humid in Illinois as it is in Florida. That's the, that's what they don't tell hey, you. It you is. Know, we got the extremes. I tell people <laughs> this oftentimes it is, it's funny living in Florida. Everybody thinks it's super, super hot and it is, it, it's hot, but it's no hotter than Birmingham or Atlanta or Charlotte or South Georgia or Mississippi or anywhere like that. It's just that same temperature for like eight months out of the year. Right? Exactly. It's just yeah. hotter for longer. It's not any hotter. It's just <laughs> exactly. Um, so you, uh, you, you touched on your accounting background and, and, and spending some time at uh, Pricewaterhouse. So actually, um, I, 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 you know, we, we played golf and back in the day and I actually did a little, little pre-interview research on you. So I looked up that stuff and I wanted to talk to you about it because, um, you know, Pricewaterhouse actually does uh, a number, pr produce a number of reports every year in real estate investment that I think are typically, um, are spot on. And uh, as I was say, you know, how is your background in public accounting? I know you said you were brought on kind of at first, actually specifically to help with some of the accounting uh, work at the office, but how have you found your, your accounting background prepare you for the kind of work you do now? Maybe speaking, speaking specifically to investment planning and wealth management and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think one of the big benefits of working, um, at a place like PwC out of college is you just learn how, uh, how to get things done. Um, it, you learn how a, a really successful firm structures, um, the company, they how they they automate a lot of the work, how they have standardization across the board. Uh, you know, if you're working on any project, there's a subject matter expert at the firm that you can call, who's typically the global leader and the smartest person in their industry, and they're a call away, right? So, um, and also, if you're working on any project, there's a, a template workbook. There's um, somebody who's probably done something similar to what you were doing beforehand. So. Um, everything is automated everything is so efficient and that's how they get so much work done and how you get so much work done during busy season and during um you know uh, quarterly reports you know those peak periods uh, you re you're really fortunate to have experts in a system in place and so you know taking something like that for me when i work there to now working at a kind of a smaller family-owned business um is was challenging at first i'll admit it was a little bit of shock right you, you, i was so used to having to track all my hours uh charge them to clients report up to my bosses what i was working on the status of things to what i do now where i really have a lot of autonomy to pick and choose how i spend my day right i, I want to help make our company better and i wanted to do all these different things and so it took me a little while to get adjusted to a different culture but I've tried to take some of those things, right? Some of the organization efficiencies that they have, some of the structure that they have, uh, CRM type things that they implement at such a really, really good level 
and bring those to our company without us losing our sense of casual atmosphere, ag company, land company, right? I don't want to be the guy that brings too many corporate type things to a company like ours, but there's definitely things that I've pulled from my, my prior career in accounting that have helped me in this business, right? Uh, whether it's uh, standardizing research on clients, customers, properties, creating ways that those reports can be automated, analyzed, um, and then dispersed to the right people, or um, even thinking about internally some of the systems that we use um, on a daily basis, how to make those better, just leveraging some of that experience. Um, and as you said, now kind of transitioning, you know, uh, fast forwarding a couple of years here, uh, to what I do now on a daily basis. I still do a lot of our accounting stuff, oversee it. We've got a wonderful person at our company, Bridget, who's done a lot of the, been at the company a long time, who does the day-to-day -day bookkeeping stuff. But um, that's kind of freed me up to do some brokerage. Um, we're trying to do more investments where we um, are sponsor, we sponsor you know, the acquisition of a, a value-add commercial property here in Central Florida or a piece of land and go out and raise money to acquire those properties. We can hold them, we can manage them internally uh, with our management. We have a pretty large property management arm um, here in our office. So um, my goal is to help us shift, um, not totally shift, but create other lines of revenue for us that are not as transaction-based, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the goal of- I imagine, I imagine you've got a good eye for, uh, have a good eye for due diligence and things like that, that yeah, being a numbers guy really helps. I mean, exactly. I, yeah. I, I'm not, I admit I don't quite have as many tabs on spreadsheets as I used to or anything like that. <laughs> but um, just being able to look at a rent roll, quickly analyze it, estimate expenses, calculate returns, splits, IRR, cap rates, like all that stuff, I definitely lean on my background. And, and understanding taxes has also helped too, right? Like thinking about how we can um, reclassify acquisition costs to different categories, cost segregation, um, how we can, um, again, be thoughtful about structure, deal structure of how we buy a piece of property, right? And how we sell a piece of property and, and what's the most favorable tax structure for us to buy something thinking about down the road, do we want a 1031, do we not? What uh, What's our basis? You know, understanding all of those implications uh, has helped me on the brokerage side, but also really helps when you're trying to, to go out and buy things and sell things and um, spend money improving them. So again, I, I kind of, I tell people some days I'm like a college football recruit. I've got like six different hats in front of me on signing day and it's, you know, which one do I want to put on for, you know, a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there and um, kind of constantly changing gears, which keeps me on my toes. But um, my goal is to, to really kind of get us more into the acquisition arm. We have such a knowledge here at our company um, and such great leadership that, that, uh, has a wealth of experience uh, in terms of knowledge of commercial real estate with Gary, um, but also, you know, understanding land in Florida, where deals are taking, where, where deals are going, understanding demographics, who's buying what, that creates a big opportunity for our company and um, kind of sister companies that, that we, that we, that all kind of feed into the system to um, kind of capitalize on that and, um, you know, kind of put us in the shoes of being a principal of deals. And so that's, um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Florida's growth. We're we do a lot of things right as a company, but primarily we're based in the right place, and we're very fortunate. Yeah, for that. yeah. So we'll talk a little bit about the Florida market in a few minutes. But um, 
you know, we're, we're in the right place, I think, at the right time. Um, and I don't think Ford is getting less popular in the future unless they outlaw air conditioning or something like that. But um, it's it's a wonderful place to do business and kind of wrapping this up. You know, my background in accounting, I, I tell people a lot, even if you don't want to be an accountant, majoring in accounting in college is a really smart yeah. thing. To do. And starting out working in accounting, like it's going to parlay into whatever else you want to do, especially in commercial real estate. Yeah, and this is a and a great transition into the into the next question. I know Cameron, I know you're a fan of hard transitions, but this is going to be a smooth <laughs> one, a good segue. So you talked about your team specializing mainly in land sales. So tell us how this can differ from other asset classes within commercial real estate. What does that sales cycle look like, and what sort of differentiates you guys in Lakeland from everybody else? Yeah, the land is a, a little bit of a unique asset class in commercial real estate. Um, we're probably 75% land, probably 75% of our revenues land. The rest is more traditional commercial. Um, you know, land is, is interesting on a national scale because there's certain land companies that specialize in one type of land and they do it really well across a couple states. Um, you know, your national players, your CBREs, your JLLs, they'll touch some development land, but they're not touching ag land and conservation and branches and these other, th these other types of land, right? And, and they'll, they'll play, they'll dabble in some, in some development land, mostly infill kind of stuff. And so that's, you know, you and then you have your kind of one-off guys who, um, you know, kind of your country guys that sell land and they're in the rural areas and they, they're either one man shop or they have a couple people with them, but, um, you know, who maybe don't have the same marketing presence or marketing resources that our firm does. Right. So I think we've been able to really carve out a niche in Florida because, you know, there's an opportunity for it. Right. You've, you've got your huge shops who touch it, your smaller guys who do it. But, um, you know, there's a window of opportunity for a company like ours who can be a full service land brokerage. And I think that's one area that, um, and really a full service commercial brokerage, but specifically on the land side of things, we help clients with um, any type of land that they own. And in Florida, that's really important because it seems like the entire state is in transition, right? What 25 years ago, what used to be citrus groves up and down Highway 27, New Orlando, Disney, like all that land is multifamily development now and yeah. retail out parcels and, uh, you know, tourist commercial. I mean, you name, you look, 30 years ago to piece of property um, that was ag. And, and now because of all the people moving here, that, you know, kind of urban development boundary continues to expand. Um, and we just need more places to, to live for people, uh, given the amount of people that are moving here. So our goal when we started, when Dean started this company 26 years ago was to go help the top landowners in Florida with their land, whether they wanted to conserve it, buy more land, develop land, uh, farm on land, he wanted to have a company that was able to provide that service uh, to everybody, depending on what type of land that they owned. And we've done that a lot. We And, and we often help a client sell a piece of uh, ag land, and maybe they want a 1031 into something that is income producing. So we'll help them find, you know, um, some mailbox money, triple net lease type properties, or, um, you know, maybe we help a family do a, a conservation easement on a part of their ranch that they want to hold on to and maybe the neighboring property that they own is more suited for development and they want to sell that for development. Um, you know, we help people oftentimes no matter what type of land that they own. And that's something that I think is unique to our company. 
um, but also um, a little bit unique to the land business in general. Yeah, and it's so cool for anyone that doesn't subscribe to your guys' monthly newsletter. That's one of the coolest things that you can get because yeah, your, your team really does a great job. Thanks, and 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 we've been able to categorize a lot of and, and verify a lot of sales data in Florida. It's a uh, disclosure state, so we can find information about what things sell for. We have a research department that verifies those sales independently, and then also verifies them with appraisers. And so we've been able to to become kind of the go-to uh, brand for land in Florida and people view us, I think, as, um, as having a lot of knowledge on the market and what things are selling for and what values are. Uh, it is a little bit different than traditional commercial. Sorry, I didn't really hit on that a ton. You know, our deals typically are pretty long. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon working on it, actually working on a property right now that um, we're acquiring. It's a little small one acre lot and we're changing the land use on it. And we've had it under contract for 14 months. We put it under contract when we were in New Mexico for the SBN annual conference last year. Yep. And we're still about six or seven months away from our final approval. So this is a one acre lot. So you can imagine how complex some of these larger land transactions are, especially on the development side. Stuff that's ag yep. is still, I mean, it's still not uncommon to have, you know, 90, 120, 150 day due diligence plus then a closing period on a piece of ag land just because there's so much to get done. And then on the development side, you know, you have your traditional due diligence period, then you have a government approvals period, then you have, you know, a closing period with extensions. And so, um, you know, sometimes when we put something under contract, you have to wait a while to get to get some money on the brokerage side just because that, that timeline's so long. And there's yeah. so many projects going through the entitlement system in Florida right now and in most municipalities that are you know high growth municipalities that it just takes a while to get anything done. Um, so that puts you know us as brokers in a, in an interesting spot because we've got to convince a seller on the front end to look, you know, you gotta let somebody do all this. This is kind of how the game's played. If you want to get the highest dollar at the end, you've got to be patient, right? And that number's a lot different letting a developer take it through that entitlement process, getting permits, um, than what they'd be willing to pay right now, taking on a lot of risk. And so we have that conversation often. It's not always the easiest thing to convince somebody of, but, um, you know, I think people understand what's happening here and understand that uh, in order to, to get kind of the development price, you've got to play the development game, which is, uh, unfortunately for us as brokers, sometimes a pretty long, long period. So does that, I mean, with that kind of timeline in place, are you finding that that is right now potentially a help or a hindrance when you're looking at kind of current market cycles and how everybody runs around with their hair on fire because a certain asset class is, is not doing so hot, but you kind of have the ability to explain to people like, look, this is actually going to be a long process. If we don't start now, it could be a year and a half, two years before actually breaking ground here. So, so basically I, I, what I'm asking is, 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 is that a helper and hindrance and, and how has your experience been in the current kind of downward cycle um, with, with timelines like that? Yeah, Cameron, that's actually a really good question. And it's interesting right now at last year, I sold a lot of multifamily development land sites, you know, stuff that's entitled for 300 unit apartment complexes. And, um, the more entitled a project is right now, the more difficult it is to sell it. It's kind of interesting. If, if something's shovel ready right now, oftentimes groups don't want to, to work on it because sure, of the yeah. current interest rate environment. Some, some, some uh, pressure to get moving on it. Yeah. yeah. So, so honestly, stuff that needs some work is actually 
um, or, or well, let me say it that way, a different way, uh, stuff that's not going to close for another year, year and a half. People are still putting under contract, still doing because, you know, let's take a multifamily development site like I talked about. It's probably 18 months start to finish to get something closed, then another year, year and a half to develop and build. And so, you know, then another year or two to get stabilized. And so a lot of these merchant developers, I mean, they're projecting out to 2026, 2027 for an exit, right? Um, yeah. You know, these builders who get in, get out um, and sell off to a, a, you know, a REIT or somebody like that. Um, you know, they're projecting a long time out right now. So they're, they're concerned about interest rates and, and debt is hard to get right now. Um, but they're also projecting so far out that most people feel, especially given, um, you know, recent economic indicators that, you know, maybe we're at the peak and this is going to plateau I was gonna, and start coming down. I was going to so, say, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm looking at, a, at an adjustable rate myself right now. I never <laughs> thought I would. But. <laughs> yeah, we, we had, a, there was a little bit of panic last year um, when rates started to really increase. There was um, a little bit of shake in Florida in terms of deals falling through. Um, we had a number of projects at our company that, you know, somebody somebody dropped. Clay Taylor and David Hitchcock closed a huge deal last year uh, in our office for around $30 million. And they closed it with the same guy who had it under contract. He dropped it when interest rates started to go up and then um, came back around kind of once things started to, you know, people got more comfortable with the current environment where things were falling. So, um, again, I, I think we're very blessed to be where we are. We felt some impact. Uh, obviously, as everybody has, but not nearly to the same extent as other markets. I, I tell people if, if developers and builders aren't doing projects in Florida right now, they're not doing projects anywhere. Um, and, you know, I think the combination of pro business, um, you know, typically not as cumbersome as other places to get uh, certain entitlements and then the population growth and, and quality of life and cost of living too for people. I think it, it makes sense that, in uh, pretty good soil, it makes sense for people, for developers that even despite market conditions and uncertainty to still be doing projects in Florida. And we've been um, tremendously grateful for that, just for where we're based. Yeah, no, that's perfect. And it's funny, you kind of answered our last question that we were gonna ask you. We've seen a lot of these larger deals in the country going to commercial home builders, people like DR Hortons, they did a big deal last month in the panhandle. So we were going to ask if you're still seeing this type of velocity in your part of the state, but it sounds like like you still are. And like you said, if the deals aren't getting done in Florida, they're probably not getting done anywhere else. So I think a good maybe transition for this is we like to ask this just to, to every everybody that we have come onto the podcast is maybe somebody that's just getting into the business, somebody that really does want to specialize in land, What's just some advice that you would give to them? A young broker, a young you, some advice that you would give to them and how they should kind of crack into the business and crack into the specialty group? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And and honestly, it's one we get a lot. We're, our company's growing, so we're recruiting kids, right? And experienced advisors, but we've added a number of, of you know younger people right out of college. And, and my biggest advice is be patient. It takes time, it takes energy. It took me two or three years to really learn a market. And this is coming from somebody that I thought, you know, I'm, I'm working at a big accounting firm. I'm going to get into commercial real estate. This is going to be easy. I'm going to figure this out right off the bat. And it didn't happen. Right. It took some time. And, um, the more I, I would tell somebody, if you want to be, if you want to, to specialize in land, become an expert in one type of land. Right. For, so for me, I've kind of focused primarily on development land. So I can tell you what, who's doing what deals in Polk County, what builders are building where, what their prices are, 
I understand what the rents are, understand the exit cap rates. I'm, I'm not a developer per se, right? But I understand enough to be dangerous and enough to speak the language with these builders to at least kind of understand, okay, they can, they can pay X for a piece of dirt because X, Y, and Z. And that also helps me communicate things to sellers too, because, you know, if you can get a seller to understand, you know, this developer would pay you twice what you, you know, twice what they can or exactly what you want, which is more than what it's worth, but they would pay you that if they could get enough in rent. And if construction costs weren't astronomically high, they would be able to pay you more for your land, but it's all math. So the more you can uh, kind of understand um, what your clients are looking for and also understand their business model, um, the more successful you'll be. And again, land is not all lands the same, right? Uh, I'm not going to try to be Dean and go do conservation deals. I'm not going to try to be, um, uh, you know, some guys up in, in the panhandle that we have in, in North Florida who sell a bunch of timber. Like that's not my area of expertise. So just yeah. like any other type of commercial real estate, you know, pick one thing to be really, 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 really proficient at and really good at, but also be flexible and nimble enough that, Hey, if multifamily markets really struggling right now, I can pop over here and do um, some ag land or I could do some commercial property for the time being, right? Be nimble enough to be able, and, and knowledgeable enough to move into in and out of different um, kind of asset classes, but have one thing that you're known for and try to be the best at it. And even try to pick a, an area of market to really be that go-to resource. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a great business because there's so much going on. There's so many different ways to make money at this business. Uh, but the people who make the most amount of money and are the most successful have one really, really uh, interesting, unique thing that they're great at, right? They carve out a niche. They carve out uh, uh, something that is really kind of hard to learn and they learn it and they become the best at it, right? Whether it's Tony Yusuf doing uh, bank re repo type work or uh, Dean with conservation easements, right? Um, and, and Augie doing industrial in our office. Like those people... Um, pick an area and they become the most knowledgeable and the best at it. And they parlay that into a lot of success. So I guess be patient, immerse yourself in a type of asset class and in a market and know more about it than anybody else. And that will parlay itself into having more successful meetings, more successful calls, right? People will start to trust you as a resource and rely on your, your, your expertise and your insight. Yeah. I love that. And that's kind of like you said, you've got to become an expert. And again, being flexible as a, as a young broker, you, you also have to find a way to make money. So like you right. said, those long right. deals might take a little bit longer. So so go do a couple of leases, go do something else. So that's great. Um, well, again, we Tyler, we just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, taking time out of your schedule. Just meet with us and then let everybody get to know a little bit more about you and letting them into your world today. So thanks again. And uh, hopefully we get to play some golf in the near future. Yeah, you, you beat me to it. I was going to end with that. So you stole my thunder. But uh, looking forward to hopefully teeing up with, teeing it up with you guys soon. And uh, thanks again for having me on. This is really fun. Thanks for doing this podcast. It's really insightful. And um, if anybody has any questions, feel free to reach out.